This week on The Futurist, Susanna Stamiroska. So machines don't think like we do, right? They don't think like humans in real time. Right. So for me, the very big direction is to have machines that think in real time like we do. Welcome back to The Futurists. Uh, this week, we are going to get in again into all things the future. Um, I have with me my co-host, Katie King, Miss Metaverse. Welcome back, Katie. Uh, happy to be back here. Rob might join us uh, at, at some point, but he's sort of on the road and, and having some technical uh, difficulties connecting. So um might just be the two of us. But um what have you been seeing in the news lately regarding AI? Anything that's caught your eye in particular? Oh, well, yeah, there's a ton of things happening, you know, uh, a lot of developments, people discussing the ethics of AI and where all that's heading. And, you know, overall, uh, you know, now I, I've been talking about this lately, how there's a new ways of trying to interfere with certain data sets that these uh, AIs are drawing upon. So, you know, there's new tools like oh, yeah. Nightshade that are coming yeah, out, yeah. you know, to poison the data set. So uh, I find that really interesting. I think we'll be seeing more of these uh, things moving forward. Yeah. No, I, I, I there's obviously a ton of effort to um, try and codify, you know, at least some um, guide rails for or guardrails, if if you want, um, for a better term, for what's happening in the space. You know, I saw um, uh, Obama talking about AI uh, this week. Um, I must have done an event or something, but it was up on social talking about how the best analogy for the wide ranging effects of artificial intelligence is is probably the best that they could come up with is electricity. Oh um, yeah, sorry, and it's all about free speech and you know the future of the internet, right? So I think uh, we'll have people on both sides of the arguments debating this greatly on X. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yep. So to get into that, um, our guest today runs an organization called Pathway. And uh, she is a practitioner in the field, um, ex-Googler, uh, on ex-Googlers uh, on her team, um, Google Brain people, and so forth. Um, really interesting to talk to her, and that is Zuzana Stamaroska. Zuzana, welcome to The Futurists. Hello, hello. I'm grateful and very happy to be here with you guys. Very cool. So um, you've done a lot of work in the supply chain arena. Um, I but, did, yeah. Um, but um, pathway seem, you know, you 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 say in respect to um, the sort of pitch on pathway that you guys are a single integrated processing layer for real time intelligence. So I'm just sort of wondering, um, you know, I can get why uh, on the supply chain side that AI is going to be impactful, but how did you get from um, that side of the business to essentially, um, you know, this sort of mechanism for integrating real-time intelligence? Oh, this is a great question. So I'd say it's real-time kind of mixed with the ability to apply algorithms, advanced algorithms, and ML within the same project where you need to deliver stuff, you know? And yeah. the emphasis is on actually delivering stuff that work in production that don't end up in a, in a sort of prototype limbo 
something that happens with probably most of the data and ML projects right now. Um, so for us, really, like we were faced with some challenges in supply chain with supply chain data, indeed. And I'm the author of the state of the art forecasting model for maritime trade. So somehow this is how we got into the field and how we were able to see where the pay points, the pain points were. And we, I mean, being the coders uh, that we are, and most of the team actually comes from a competitive programming background. I mean, they, 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 they they've been you know, like the best programmers in the world um, in the ICM ICPC contest. Um, actually, we 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 knew the solutions, but it was very tough to make them work in production to scale them and to make them work robustly, especially if you come as this, let's say, ML engineer, software developer persona that wants to get the project done and running. So this is something that we've seen. This is something we've been solving ourselves before actually fund a funding pathway. Um, and that was even before, you know, the LLM era. I mean, we, Jan, right. our CTO, who actually was at, was at Google Brain, um, he worked before on like the, the earlier attention mechanisms. Um, so one of our, uh, actually we're backed by Lukasz Kaiser, who's a co-author of the attention is all the, all the need paper. So this is like the, the, read the team GPT, right? The transformers. Um, so okay. we, of course, came from these intuitions, knowing how things will evolve. And we saw what was kind of the missing bit um, that was needed in order to make things move the needle. That's pretty much just the question. I mean, ourselves because... coming from some of the, like, kind of, I'd say, like, some of the top theoretical computer science folks. I mean, we right. have them on the team, right? But there, there's one one thing, which is inventing cool algorithms, writing papers about them, and having them stuck somewhere, you know, at the conference, maybe, maybe having a, a lot of citations and actually translating this and putting it in production and like for the benefit of the society to really move the needle. And I think the team first got together around this idea of having real impact for the real economy and moving the needle uh, for enterprises, for society, right. like have, have an impact really. Because right now we talk a lot about these LLMs, but you know, we're really talking more about um, platform AI or personal AI, where where it is, um, you know, sort of conversational integration, um, you know, replacing search engines sort of integrated into your, you know, day-to-day -day, uh, technology um, space. But when we talk about supply chain automation in particular, particular, we're really talking about industrial level artificial intelligence and the ability to, um, automate large sections of the way society works today, which is very manual, you know, the ports, shipping, uh, you know, road transportation, resource management, you know, all of these areas of the functional element of the economy, not so much focused on the individual. So we don't hear as much about the LLM work or the machine learning in that sort of industrial AI, you know, with the exception of things like self-driving cars. Um, but you know, obviously, um, you know, I, I think China with its Belt and Road Initiative and the work that they've been doing on automation is very focused on more of this sort of industrial AI. Um, would you say that that's the case? Am I reading that correctly? Absolutely. So I'd say that right now when we look at LLMs, they're mostly seen by the public as this kind of single tone um, user facing 
applications, right? We like the main intuition we have about uh, about Gen AI LMs is like whatever we see in the in Chat GPT, and this is kind of where our imagination or like like mm. the public's imagination is. Um, the way we see LMs at Pathway is that they are a tool that you can plug in data pipelines. And then they're not necessarily used for the generative purposes. They actually can even be used, you know, we talk a lot about hallucinations, how LMs hallucinate, but they can even be used to control human hallucinations, um, which can mean, for example, just correcting mistakes that happen when there's some data entry happening. Um, this, This means structuring data upstream that can be then used downstream in machine learning models for prediction. Right. It's not necessarily you don't need to run every prediction in LLM, but you may use an L, you may use, you know, use it at different um, steps of a process to, to deliver a full application. And this application may answer questions of the sort um, when is my container arriving? Or right. When should I pick up my container? If you think of it, like we have 80% of all international trade that travels on ships. Okay, so this is like—it's yes. just, just enormous. And, and, I mean, and it's a business half we don't think is, about. But, and yeah. about half of that is energy-related um, stuff, you know, like shipping, coal, and you know, crude oil and Absolutely. petroleum and natural gas and garbage, and so garbage, yeah, <laughs> yeah reci- recycled <laughs> garbage. Yeah, used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then seventy percent of this is in containers. So here yes, we're talking about yes. containerized transport. And so the right. So um, you know, we've heard a lot of uh, stuff about IoT being able to track individual uh, containers, as well as being able to track the the contents of those containers, essentially making shipping machine readable. I mean, that's really... Yes, um, but then we see actually, yeah, for IoT, we see that its value is being somehow stuck um, because of this inability to take the measurements and actually abstract or aggregate the data to treat it properly. And we see it, and this is where the interesting real-time element uh, kicks in because you have measurements that are generated. This is a great example. You have measurements generated by IoT sensors, that come from containers, ships, I mean, whatever assets you have moving. Uh, and then you have to take ingest data, you have to clean it and put it together to show a process. Because otherwise you're just left with a table of data where the only information you really get is like this container is at these coordinates, right? which is not super interesting from the business perspective. I mean, it's interesting only if you're really, really, really interested in that very container. And then people say, hey, I mean, if I don't have so many issues with my transport, usually in this container, like the contents are not worth so much, I wouldn't be investing in IoT. However, you can have a data sample. You don't even need to equip all the containers or all the, ass- all the assets. You can have a data sample generated by by IoT. This actually alleviates some issues with data integration, et cetera, because you can get a good view of your processes as they are from sampling uh, a, a transport or, or logistics network. Uh, then you put it together automatically. You clean it from all fun stuff that you can see there, like GPS jammers in Russia, honestly, things we've seen in data sets. GPS jammers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, you have to clean it, put together and build something that, you know, f- to a business user resembles a map, but this map right. disappears automatically. Uh, and they see their locations, like some steps of the processes that we're not aware of, things that their subcontractors are doing, you know, some optimizations that are being done by people 
in the field and actually logistics mm. runs by human optimization usually at this like last <laughs> last mile let's say like really at the, at, the, at the points of the of the process there's a lot of optimization that I, done by operations people that once you have the data you can actually learn it and share it as best practices well and then you can do as you say the so, predictive pieces of it you know once if you've got two yep. points in time you can start making extrapolations that, that's it but the moment you get the structure on this structure right. you can run predictions right and actually extract getting that one data model on which you can work uh was usually taking the most of time and was actually or already i mean even without the real-time element uh was an enormous challenge yeah. Well, I do want to get back to Pathway and what you're doing there and, you know, the type of AI you guys are building. And I want to talk about smart contracts as well. Um, but before that, um, you know, uh, maybe let's go delve a bit bit into your background. You know, when was it first that uh, you figured out that you wanted to be in the artificial intelligence arena or, or um, you know, even, you know, uh, as a futurist in this space now, when you sort of came to the conclusion that you're working in the business of building the future? I think I'm just a very curious person that follows her interests. I mean, and, and you know, there's like, I wouldn't make any compromise about this. Um, so at some point, I think around 2010, I did an internship at a company called Spot.com. It was the first, the largest a uh, community of competitive programmers and competitive programmers mean best coders in the world and actually the best algorithm algorithms people and most of the best algorithms folks switched to ai when ai became the thing a bit later on many of them so it's actually a community that's very much overlapping which is something that you can actually see on the pathways team uh, this is this is how we actually we we, we got to know each other so that was definitely a moment when, you know, I kind of went into this community and, and I learned it and I, I fell in love with it. And then there are things, you know, that I did at uni, of course. So um, at some point I took a course in game theory. So for me, really, the the road uh, into, into tech was through game theory. I took a course um, at Stockholm School of Economics and somehow I just fell in love with it. I felt it was just so intuitive. Um, and then, then I went I went to study at the Code Polytechnique, which is the French, French uh, military engineering uh, school. Uh, they go to like Nobel Prizes in physics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I specialize in fact in game theory on graphs. And I'd say the key here is graph. And graph means everything distributed, large and complex, especially if it evolves over time. Um, and this is how I got into transportation and logistics. So it's it's through this. And then the question of, okay, I see the system, I see it evolving, I want to describe its rules, and then I want to predict it. Uh, we're very obvious. It happens that once you get into graphs, you get into random walks. When you get into random walks um, and that kind of this like random processes, uh, you very soon get to in, into some fundamentals of AI. <laughs> this is, let's say, a part that's better covered by my co-founders, especially Adrian Kosowski. Um, but you get very deep uh, quickly. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean the the types of AIs that we're talking about. Um, I mean, as you as you said, um, yes, uh, there is there is uh, learning models, uh, 
um, LLMs, but they're not generative in respect to the way we'd think of something like Midjourney, Stable Diffusion, these types of uh, uh, you know programs in the art space. But they're more in terms of predictive. Um, you know, and analytics in terms of the functional elements of movement of goods and services and stuff like that. I get it. We're going to come back to this uh, in the next half because I want to talk about um, where the world goes with this stuff. But um, just before we do go to the break, uh, what, what pro- I mean, we've seen a lot of progress in AI recently with ChatGPT and so forth. What's the biggest areas of progress happening in the supply chain arena right now in terms of AI use? I'd say that right now it's mostly focused around knowledge. So really knowledge access and, and the ability to share knowledge uh, from from various documents. So this is this will happen thanks to the LLMs, the biggest kind of elephant in the room use case, which uh, will generate most of the value. Uh, is of course forecasting of the processes themselves. So there is a question of ETAs. And then uh, the way you can see it is that you can use LLMs to structure data to feed into uh, into ETAs, so estimated times of arrival prediction. And if you think about orchestrating uh, transportation flows, well, obviously knowing when something will arrive and you know, getting an update that, uh, that your ship is going to be delayed, et cetera, is a key piece of information you need um, to to make the system work. Yeah. I have a question. So in your opinion, who are the biggest players in AI right now? In this and particular what, area, yeah, yeah. In this particular area. And in, what are some ways that they are lacking? Is there any ways that they are lacking that we can improve on with, over the next, say, five years? Biggest players in AI in this area, I'd say these definitely are just the practitioners. I mean, you have the logistics companies, the transportation companies. I mean, when you talk about maritime, it's a very centralized uh, business. So you have like five companies that control most of the market, really. Um, so, and the multis in the data. So this is, I'd say, this is the key place. Um then of course there are some like log tech companies that that were focused and and were developing uh, ml systems that was prior to the llm revolution uh i i wouldn't say that we see so much of uh i don't see a clear leader on on this market uh and then i mean there's of course us <laughs> yeah well, right. um, it's obviously a, it's a pretty interesting arena. Just before we go to break, we like to do this thing we call the quick fire round, just so our listeners can get to know you a little better. These uh, questions are designed to be super punchy, so you know you don't have to do a long answer, just uh, just a couple of word answer if you like, all right? Okay. All right, so first of all, what was the first science fiction or story you remember being exposed to on tv or books star wars yeah fair enough um what technology do you think has most changed humanity electricity and now ai and i totally agree i totally agree ai is like electricity very cool um is there any futurists or entrepreneurs in the past that have um, particularly influenced you and why? 
John von Neumann. This is this is like the figure that I actually even talk about the von Neumann effect. This is the moment when somebody gets a Nobel Prize and you think, oh, I I heard of, I mean, I thought of it, but I thought it was mm. trivial. Um, then there's, of course, Tesla. Um, yes. Right? People really ahead of their times. Yeah. Yeah, good, a uh, couple of good suggestions. Um, in respect to the area you work in, has anyone represented the future you think is coming? Um, in science fiction very well. So is there a science fiction story you could point to that talks about the automated world in a, in a way that fits your vision? Well, there's a bit of kind, uh, I think I'm, I'm Polish, uh, mm-hmm. right? So of course there's things with Lem. Uh, so these are so maybe some of the of the scenarios that we may be worrying about. Yeah. Uh, All right, cool. Great. Well, you're listening to The Futurists. We're going to take a quick break. And after the break, we'll be back uh, with uh, Susanna Susanna Stamaroska. Thank you, Katie, to talk about where we're going with this technology. What is the the world of autonomous markets, autonomous shipping and supply chain look like in the, uh, the time of the future? You're listening to The Futurists. We'll be right back after this break. Provoke Media is proud to sponsor, produce, and support the Futurist podcast. Provoke.fm is a global podcast network and content creation company with the world's leading fintech podcast and radio show, Breaking Banks. And of course, it's spin-off podcasts, Breaking Banks Europe, Breaking Banks Asia Pacific, and the Fintech Five. But we also produce the official Finnovate podcast, Tech on Reg, Emerge Everywhere, the podcast of the Financial Health Network, and NextGen Banker. For information about all our podcasts, go to provoke.fm or check out Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. Welcome back to The Futurists. I'm here with my co-host, Brett King, and joining us is Zuzana Stamroska. We're talking about, in the first half... Uh, the supply chain and how AIs are impacting the way things are being uh, analyzed and and logged and LLMs and all of that. Now, in the second half, let's get into the good stuff here. We're going full future. But before we begin, I want to talk about what is the importance of enabling AI to unlearn? Can you share on that, Susanna? Yeah, absolutely. So unlearning is a bit of a crucial feature of a system that is to be responsive to things that are happening around us. And it's also crucial to enable ethical behavior, right? For example, in Europe, we have something like the right to be forgotten. How can you do that if your AI can't learn? And if you think of it, if you think about um, LLMs, they most probably kind of rigorously just cannot unlearn by, by the sole definition uh, because they compress information at input. We have just like more data as at input when we have weights, right? Um, so it can be, they are most likely unable to learn. And you can imagine the situation as a bit, a person who is standing in one position and doing 10 steps forward. They end up in one position, right? Uh, imagine then a situation in which you do one step left, go t- 10 steps forward, and one step right. If you're on the flat plane, you end up in the same position as in the first scenario. And that's great. 
And this is similar to unlearning. So you kind of end up in the same state, regardless of the fact that you took this one step left. So you forgot it in a way. But this is not the space in which we operate in LLMs. We actually operate in a space which is multidimensional. We may imagine it as kind of standing on a hill. So you have a convexity of the space. And when you take this one step left, actually you're being shifted. So when you take one step right, again, to correct your initial misstep, let's say, you end up in a different place. Yeah, because so um, when really we think learn. about the the um, the way machine learning actually happens with the like perceptrons and pathways, the the neural pathways we're forming, those sort of become the the more you have that wrong turn, the more it'll get reinforced over time if you're not careful, right? Indeed, and you don't know how it propagates. So here yeah. actually comes some of the intuitions from the random walks that I was talking before. Uh, you're a bit of a walker, right? And you can end up, because the space is so multidimensional, you can end up in, in strange places. Uh, a maybe simpler analogy is just that, uh, well, you, when, when you're a violin player, you're playing violin, you were, you were taught number of pieces in your childhood. If somebody comes to you and asks you, oh, listen, just forget about, uh, the first piece of Beethoven by Beethoven that you, that you learned to play. I mean, you wouldn't know how to go about this because you don't know how it contributed to, you know, the way you're holding your violin, for example. How did it really contribute to do, to your skill? Um, so this is something that's most likely impossible to be done and like some intuitions go through uh lee brackets um so in math let's say this here we can we can leave it aside for now um but then there are some things that can be done in traditional machine learning where you can forget and for lm specifically you can control unlearning uh by looking at the data you feed into the context so this is now called drag right we have um we have the kind of in-context learning and and the fact that you can look at the LLM as a tool, as the skill of playing the violin, whereas you would treat the music pieces uh, as something you feed into, right? as as a music notes that you're giving to uh, uh, to the player. And when you can control that, you can also just remove re remove music pieces uh, from the from the data set that you're feeding into the LLM, so you can forget. So this is one part of uh, of the story that you have updates to the data that you take in account immediately, and then then you forget stuff. Then there is a number of traditional models uh, like classification, like clustering, etc., uh, that we have at Pathway actually running in real time with the ability to unlearn, such that when you delete a new data, uh, you delete some data or you add the data, but actually, for example, classification results should be different, you would automatically update past results as well. So like a definition of, of unlearning is that you kind of, you should behave as if you've never seen that input. Right, right. Yeah. right. So lose, <laughs> losing the memory. Um, so uh, this sort of gets us into really the premise of Pathway itself, which you talk about real-time intelligence. And, you know, Pathways and a, a nice name to sort of uh, uh, talk about neural pathways, at least, and so forth. Or it brings AI us to Westworld. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, we also love this name. I mean, we there is yeah. a full post about why we choose it. Yeah, cool. Um, so, but but in terms of the real-time intelligence piece, are you talking about different AIs sharing their intelligence in real time, or what is it that 
real-time intelligence in the AI arena means for you in, in terms of pathway? If you think of it, just thinking about machine learning or 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 AI or even LLMs, I mean, their intelligence is stuck in the moment in time. It's kind of just this, because you feed in a training data set, right? You train, then you have the model and it operates. Uh, but usually the training happens on a data set. And even if you go to, uh, to GPT, well, now it was trained on the data up to a certain date. That's a fact. Question is how to make it reactive, how to make it react to the flow of data as it happens, right? Um, so and changing there, conditions or uh, sort changing, of adaptive change, intelligence? Yeah, adaptive intelligence. So you, you get into continuous learning. Right. And and then also how to react to the fact that, you know, someday the points are deleted, et cetera, and the situation changes. So, if so much way, more sort of dynamic model in terms of the LLM because you're yes. forcing new data into the mix all the time rather than exactly. having like just a massive pool of data and that sort of becomes fixed, which is sort of the problem right now is is all these, these people involved in training um, LLMs. Yeah. So... Um, you know, how, how does it look different in a real-time world from that training arena that, that we see for players like OpenAI and, you know, Google and so forth? So for, for LLMs, I believe so far, we don't have real-time LLM training. Um, and we realized we we're actually thinking hard about this at Pathway, and we saw that the opportunity is really in the context layer. So such that you pre-process and you control the data, you feed into the LLM and you look at the LLM as a skill. So this is, and then the second part of the of the story are traditional machine learning methods uh, that you can run uh, continuously. And this is this is something we have um, we have a pathway. I mean, everybody can benefit from it, you know, for, for our GitHub repo. Um, and uh, here, this is non-trivial. Of course, real-time learning and making sure the updates happen. It's a challenge, like just the models running in real-time are, are a challenge on its own. And then there's the entire question about engineering around systems that work with data updates. Um, so it's just extremely, extremely tough to put real-time systems in production, just, even yeah. when you want to do simple stuff and not even mentioning machine learning. Right. So we we cracked it, I'd say. Well, it Congrats. Um, so just to nice. give some perspective for, for the audience, because I don't think this is something that's talked about a lot, compared with sort of this real-time model that you're talking about, for LLMs, these big LLMs that we've seen in the market most recently, the chat GPTs and so forth, you know, the generative AI stuff, how long would it take to train one of those LLMs to get to the point where they are today versus a, a real-time model? Oh, it, it really depends, right? Because I'm not talking about, about trading LLMs in real time. So I wouldn't say it's comparable, but but I, know that, I mean, the researchers are looking sometimes at months, right, of, of right. training for, for the LLMs. And then it's, it is it is a bad job and it's going to be a bad job, batch, meaning that, you know, you take you take a batch of data kind of and, and you train on it. And it's going to be like this for uh, for a while. So the, and then when, when we talk, and of course it consumes resources, which are, incredible right the sizes and all you look at the budgets of a companies you look at right. some like startups that are to launch their own llms how much they have to raise to just have gpu to be able to churn um the data actually when you go into the real-time uh real-time learning or real-time paradigm you use much less resources 
because you only look at the data updates and how they impact whatever you've seen in the past, but you don't need to recompute everything from scratch every time right. you learn something and, new. And you, so I'm assuming it's a full you have... paradigm shift in terms of efficiency of computing. Right. I'm assuming also you have, um, you know, uh, I mean, your, your model limitations, your model in terms of where it's built is sort of built around the data rather than going out with masses of data and trying to find a, a you know, model from, from within the data sets. Yes. You, yeah, so, and exactly. you can be much more specific with it, right? So Pathway is really a framework for developers. So it's applied to the data of the user, right? And what Pathway gives to the user is like, as, as I started, you're, you know, you're a software developer or an ML engineer, and your job is to deliver, for example, estimated times of arrival to be able to answer a question of when will my truck arrive? The stuff you have to do, you have to identify what my truck means, right? This is one thing you have to search for. Uh, then you, you may need to structure the data somewhere, get info, search maybe in some through some uh, emails, et cetera, to know if there's a delay. Uh, calculate the ETA and send it out to the user. Um, so this is these are sorts of the projects that are being used, but then the data is identified and it's kind of defined by the project itself. I hear the model is not so much in the data, it's really in the in the logic and the business application you want to deliver. In your Aaron. opinion, what is your vision of the future when it comes to AI and automation? Uh, could talk about and referral to a uh, shipping and transport, but what will this look like, let's say in 20 to 30 years from now? I mean, how far out yeah. can it go actually? Actually going yeah, going back to real time, I think this is this is the one thing, one theme that we really have as a team that we are, you know, cr constantly cracking. Um so it's if you think about we just talked about LLMs being trained on a large chunk of data and then this, you know, maybe be maybe being enhanced with uh, with, with with rag, I mean, being enhanced with context. Um, but when we talk here, you just learned something from me, right? You learned about real time, and you already updated your vision of the world. Probably will process it a bit more, maybe when we finish the show. Um, but you reacted, right? It's already kind of in your head. You already processed this, and you can ask me questions like. Uh, precisely about this i mean having having updated a number of stuff maybe uh i mean your view about the world right um and this is just not how the systems currently are working so machines don't think like we do right they don't think like humans in real time right so for me the very big direction is to have machines that think in real time like we do and to get there, there's a number of things to crack. There's, of course, the engineering part of just dealing with real-time data, with streaming data. This is extremely difficult. And you would be surprised by kind of how underdeveloped these technologies were. Uh, so that was a big kind of gap in the, in the technology space because it's also very difficult to make it happen. And then but, the second part but is getting into itself, that, right? Getting, get, you know, let's get futuristic. I mean, how does the world operate in 30 years with these technologies as they mature? So I, first thing is that you have automated orchestration of flows, right? When we talk about logistics, you have automated orchestration of flows and saturated. Uh, when you have um, 
when you have a delay, it's automatically, for example, rebooked on a on a on a different ship, uh, or on the, like on a, with a different transport. Uh, so this is this is one part of it. Uh, there's a question of the role of IoT and edge devices, occurring kind of just edge in general. So to what to what extent will we get autonomous? Can we imagine having autonomous containers, for example? In such a way that kind of they do computation somehow locally, maybe combining it with a bit of a, of, of information about the system, you know, at a, at a given scale, and then have some local local knowledge, and actually they would be make, able to make decisions a bit like the logistics operators are making them right now. Um, so this is part of it, and definitely, I mean, the the easy thing is just automation of processes, and this includes business processes, everything that's linked to uh, you know, paperwork, which uh, oddly enough. And uh, in shipping and, and supply chain, I mean, we're actually, it's the autumn, the electronic bill of lading is actually a very fresh thing. Uh, it was paper <laughs> for, for, for a long time. Um, so this is this is let's say in uh, uh, in the space of, of, of logistics and shipping. Uh, then for the machines that think, uh, well, I'd say that my colleagues are not so. Uh, happy or maybe not so enthusiastic about the vision for the humanity in the sense that we're going to have machines that are going to be behaving much more like us. Uh, and yeah, I'm not as, as concerned gonna... about the, you know, uh, the nightmare scenario stuff. I think the bigger um, implication for AI that we don't talk about nearly enough is technology unemployment. Right. Mm. And, and what you're talking about here, it, you know, we are looking for large scale efficiency gains, reducing energy utilization. All of those things are the benefits that come with this, you know, better forecasting, more optimal shipping, um, you know, configurations and transportation Definitely. mechanisms. You know, that's resource utilization, so, making so this is, the planet more sustainable. But, but this is probably something we can do already. You know, it's right, not something but, right. that is too far technologically. Right. It's more of a question of adoption, to be perfectly honest. Algos are there i think it's you can we start to be able to deploy it uh it is it is an adoption question and and, and just making making sure you know things can move and they can move with enterprises and the entire entire topic around this um, no, i get i get that Susanna, yeah. but but surely if we have large-scale automation at this level it, it like if it, most other parts of artificial intelligence is going to affect jobs in the sector right in transportation and in shipping and in ports and things like that that seems fairly inevitable it might it might the way it's being seen right now is that it's more of an enabler uh so there's this support decision and oddly enough uh what people see is that it's still important to have somebody to blame for a mistake um so you need accountability for example in autonomous ships right uh, even though it would be possible, I mean, you know, it's not such a heavy traffic as you as what you would expect, you know, on the road. Um, but then you need a person to blame if something goes wrong. For you need accountability. But you could, um, you could. I've seen models with convoys of ships. You know, you could have a lead ship that has the human, you know, attached to, you know, yeah. and having a convoy situation. There's been the, con you know, because you could use vehicle to vehicle uh, integration and stuff like that. So there are some ways to keep humans involved, but still we're talking about dramatic reduction in, in the workforces the more we apply this automation. I, yeah, just, I, wonder, I, just think... I wonder if this is the place where it's going to be produced the most, because uh, 
that I, I imagine there may be sectors where, where where actually it can be it can be way more. Um, yes. No. I I, I, would, w- I would agree w- with way that. harsher, okay. especially all the kind of you know office office work that can be easily automated. Uh, one thing I've been just thinking about is like you know all the product marketing could be doing automatically. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the, this is something that would replace just armies of people, right? I'm sure um, the Facebook AI is listening to us right now, getting ready to automate <laughs> some product marketing. In <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so this is this is part of it. I mean, but then so, I'd say there is you know, there is a question about how far are we from general artificial intelligence? I mean, I don't believe it goes through LLMs necessarily, right? Uh, but just that the road could be this a different is, model is, yeah. is a bit shorter, right? Well, at we, least might, we learning, made great progress. Yeah, we're, we're learning <laughs> how to teach machines. I guess that's what is is coming out of it. Um, uh, that's it's so it's pretty interesting. I mean, um, I, I do talk a lot about in in um, you know my books, uh, particularly technosocialism. I talked about smart economies, and I don't think um, that a lot of uh, you know in, in the West, I'm not sure that there's still a real understanding of the fact that if you want these highly autonomous economies with supply chain and automation, you know, and all of those sorts of things. You know, you you you. It's a very different direction from sort of the industrial age stuff. So, the smart contracts, yeah. things like that. Um, you know, All of the sudden, about, yeah, yeah. You get into well, a distributed setting, and right. this distribution, like the fact that you have a local, kind of local model, um, this is this is something that kicks in at all the all the places, so, yeah. including smart contracts. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, um, and and that's. I mean, operationally, that's how we're going to build these smart economies. We'll have this type of automation, um, but you need smart contracts. You need, uh, you know, for you know, I, you know, one of the areas we didn't talk about is, you know, these different shipping organizations. Are they going to have to have some sort of international standards uh, for AIs to talk to each other? You know, um, you know, what's the translation layer between two different ports, or you know, for cross-border trade? How's uh, that these things work? are already happening. They're already happening, but I'd say not so much at the AI level, but kind of just data standards. Um, they they agreed on a blueprint for how to call operation milestones not that long ago. Uh, so this is this is where we are. You know, it's still still kind of just a PDF where they describe how you should call a milestone of an operation. Uh, but this standardization is happening, of course. And when you look at them, I mean, they are very centralized and they operate globally. So it it, it is very much needed and, and kind of obvious. But uh, hopefully, we'll get to a stage where they're going to be using. Um, AI for for doing this. I mean, whatever form that AI will take, I'm not sure it's always going to be LLMs. And I think it's AI understood broadly. This includes just ML algorithms, you know, and all of this bundled uh, to deliver the use case, or rather to deliver a parcel to your doorstep. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Exactly. Do you have any more, Katie, before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think we, right. uh, we're all set, but we'd have to have Susanna on in the near future. We want to hear more for sure. It's interesting seeing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't really delve into smart contracts and stuff all, in all that great de- detail, but, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, just sort of help us wrap up where, where can people find out more about what you're doing at Pathway and, and, you know, the work that you and your team are doing, Susanna? 
Yeah, absolutely. So please visit our uh, website, pathway.com and our GitHub repo. Um, this is where you can find our work. You can find our showcases and you can actually just put your hands on Pathway and build your own stuff quickly. So this is combining real time with LLMs. Fantastic. Uh, this is where the magic happens. And where can people find out more about yourself? I just please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I think this is this is the best the best uh, channel. Fantastic. All right. Good. Well, thanks for joining us on the Futurist today. We'll uh, watch uh, the work that you and your team is doing with interest. Um, I'm Thank very so interested much. in the supply chain, you know, automation, smart economic stuff. I think, you know, China is really right now from infrastructure perspective, doing some really interesting things. And in a broad uh, societal level, their interest in AI and their um, the education, you know, that they've got for that, I think means they'll be a really strong competitor in, in the area that you're talking about in particular, um, even yep. more so than, than you know, and, and this is the big dollar stuff. You know, this is the trillions of dollars of, of international trade that is going to be impacted by this. It's not the consumer level stuff, you know. Uh, well, it is. You're going to get a package, and you, you know, delivered, but it's all of that stuff is really going to contribute to GDP growth it insanely. Is. So, yeah. Fun, anyway. fun fact, we actually mapped the, uh, the, the, the China train based on IoT. <laughs> Very cool. Nice. Do you... Um, uh, if, you know, in in that respect, have you got any sort of projections? I'm, you know, I know you're not an economist, but um, you know, where this, you know, what sort of efficiency gain at an economy level this type of automation could produce? It really depends on how it's being acted upon. So, who makes a decision? That's that's right. usually the difficulty. Of course, like ETAs, you can easily you know, bring them down from. I say the gains at the order of days are very easy. Then you can you mm. can you can get it down right now up to the level of like half a day or or or, or less. So you can you can get it very very precisely. Now I'm talking about you know this large large kind of transcontinental transport. Mm. Um, question is always kind of how do people leverage it and their own decision making. And this is this is what impacts not just the money kind of, but it also impacts the emissions because you may adjust the speeds of ships depending on ETEs and stuff, how you orchestrate your flow. So uh, this is actually even more more important in a way. Um, This this impacts the emissions and uh, pollutions of port cities. Mm. um, Yeah, well, I think... We didn't even get into blockchain either, so that's for next time. But uh, (laughs) Susanna, look, thanks for joining us on on The Futurist today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I had great fun. No (laughs) problem. Lovely meeting you guys. Fantastic. Well, that's it for The Futurist this week. Um, Stay tuned for uh, more information on uh, some of these trends. A lot of action in AI right now. Um, You know, don't forget to... uh, follow uh, our guests as they come along um you know zizana included um you know obviously keep watching what guys like robert scoble and brian romley are talking about who we've had on the show a few times but they're doing they've really documenting some really interesting stuff in this brian on the personal lm side and robert in terms of the new startups that are coming in the space so definitely check check that stuff out so and uh, katie thanks for joining us again ah happy to be back as always Oh, absolutely. We'll see you guys uh, next week. In fact, we'll see you in the future. 
Well, that's it for The Futurists this week. If you like the show, we sure hope you did. Please subscribe and share it with the people in your community. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review that really helps other people find the show. And you can ping us anytime on Instagram and Twitter at, at Futurist Podcast for the folks that you'd like to see on the show or the questions that you'd like us to ask. Thanks for joining. And as always, we'll see you in the future.